All right, how are we doing today? Awesome. Glad you guys are here today. My name is John McLarnon. I'm one of the pastors around here. Spend most of my time at our Cary Crossroads location, but excited to be here with you guys today. Um, let's just jump right in today. A, a husband and a wife were at a party, and they're chatting with friends, and the subject of marriage counseling comes up. And he interjects into the conversation to say, oh, well, we're never going to need that. We, we have a great relationship. See, my wife has a degree in communications, and I studied theater arts in college. They're like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, she communicates very well, and I act like I'm listening. <laughs> and that's when the fighting started. Have you ever heard some of these, like there's relationship scenarios followed by, and that's when the fighting started? For instance, he comes to his wife and he asks, where would you like to go for our anniversary? And she says, well, take me somewhere I haven't been in a while. He suggested, how about the kitchen? And, that, <laughs> and that's when the fighting started. All right, are you with me? So um, our first married fight, and my wife and I have been married for 24 years now, our first married fight must have happened almost the first week after we were married. We were moving into our first place together, which was a 12 by 50 foot trailer, which was the married housing on our college campus at the time. And um, we were, I was holding pictures on the wall in the living room, and my wife was laying out her vision for her design on how things were going to be laid out. And guys, this is when I made my mistake, right? I didn't realize I was just there for manual labor. I started giving input on how the design should actually look, you know, what kind of shape it should take. And that's when the fighting started for us. And I retreated and I ran into the home office and she charged, all right? Now, I was only doing what I had seen my dad do most of his life, which was when things get difficult and the heat gets turned up, back away, go to safety, let everything cool down, eventually you can resurface and maybe it will all be forgotten. My wife, on the other hand, was saying things like this, and this is not a direct quote, but this is close, all right? Tone is, may not be direct, directly you know, related either, but don't go in there, don't you go in there and hide, you better come out here now and we're gonna talk about this. Now, I'm on the other side of the door going, I am not coming out because <laughs> I am afraid of you. I'm scared. I'm scared. And, and she's still holding the hammer, all right? And so I stay in there. Now, and, and that's just kind of the way it went for us from the early stages. We were bad at conflict. Because I'm thinking things like, wait a second, I was not prepared for this at all. I thought we loved each other. I thought you loved Jesus, right? So we were bad at that from the beginning. And it is really by the grace of God, anybody understand me, that we're still here, right? Now, conflict is something that every relationship has. And whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, you're, you're in deeply in love, or you're married, every relationship has conflict. How we deal with it, right, can make all the difference in the world. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Our ushers would love to give you one. It's yours to keep. If you can find Song of Songs or Song of Solomon in your Bible, middle, go to the middle, turn right, or it might be easier just to follow along on the side screens this morning. But let me just give you, as we have been the last couple of weeks, kind of our PG-13 disclaimer. We're going to talk about a few things today, as we have the last couple of weeks, that you might not want your kids to hear. So if that's the case, make sure you take a bolt for the door right now and check them into LifePoint Kids 
in uh, those awesome environments there. Otherwise, I'm going to go for it. And we've been walking through one couple's relationship the last couple of weeks, and we've seen them go from attraction and desire right up to uh, their wedding. And when we actually left them last week, they had just been on the honeymoon. And today, they're going to invite us into one of their conflicts. And we're going to read that in Song of Songs chapter 5. So as we look at their story, I just want to say this much. Uh, We're going to extract a few principles, right? Some practical tools that you can use when dealing with conflict. It's not going to be exhaustive, and we don't have time to drill down real deeply, but we'll just throw a few of those out there, and I think you're going to pick up some things that could be really helpful. So here we go. Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 2. I slept, but my heart was awake. This is Mrs. Solomon talking. Listen, my beloved is knocking. I was half asleep, half awake when I heard him. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. So here's the scene, just so we all understand. She's lying in bed. She's in that stage between half awake and half asleep. And she's not entirely sure what's going on, but he's on the outside of the door and he's knocking. Hey, let me in, let me in, all right? Now, it seems like it's pretty late, and one of two things is happening, right? Either he's been out late into the night, and so his hair is wet because the dewness of the, the evening, or he's coming home after a day of work. Either way, it's really late, right? He's late, it's late. He's coming to the bedroom. She's already in bed. Now, one possibility, I'll throw this out there, is that in the culture, it could be that a husband and a wife actually slept in different rooms. So maybe he's coming from an adjoining chamber, and he's knocking on the door. Either way, there's something on his mind. He wants something. I'll let you decide what it is, all right? Maybe he wants to talk. That's a possibility. Anybody think that's it? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he wants, after a long day of work, he wants romance. But he's coming to the room. He's looking for her. Honey, I'm home. What do you have going on in there? (laughs) She says, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, does this sound like the same woman we've been reading about for the last few weeks? I mean, she used to say things like, there he is. He's bounding over the hills, right? Look at him. Look at my lover. Last week, she said, blow on my garden, right? So we got a woman who last week... She's fine wearing absolutely nothing last week, can't get to the door because she'd have to put her robe on. This is a major inconvenience for her, right? By the way, I didn't do a lot of language studies in um, college, but I'm pretty sure the Hebrew translates here as, I have a headache, go away. So if you're taking notes, right? In other words, you can knock all you want, buddy. I am not getting up for this right now. And we've got some drama, right? We've got some conflict introduced into the relationship. Uh, By the way, You think back to what your last conflict was or the current conflict, and some of you are like, well, that's easy because it happened on the way here this morning, all right? But there are probably two major causes of conflict, and the first one is this, unmet expectations. So if you're a woman, it probably goes like this, and you could fill in the blanks, right? Your dad, fill in the blank, so you thought, fill in the blank, but he is, fill in the blank, all right? There's an unmet expectation there somewhere. For her, it's he's late, he didn't call, he didn't text, he's in trouble. For him, he's going, man, it's been a long day, I I need to see what's happening. I I remember last time, I want you all night again. Is the petting zoo open? That's what he's thinking, all right? (laughs) So when there's unmet expectations, like whether they're legitimate or not, we have a conflict. 
The second thing might be causing a conflict is selfishness, right? I want something. For him, he's going, okay, I want you, or I want to do something with you, or I want this moment right now. And she's going, no, I I want to stay in bed. I'm tired. I'd have to get my robe on. Both are thinking of self, right, not the other. In other words, this is what I want, and you never do what I want. So in verse 4, she's going to give some commentary on what happens next when she says, my beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. Now, I don't claim to understand how a woman's mind works, but something happened between verse 3 and verse 4, and she's changing her mind is what it appears to be. And she starts to have a change of heart, and she says, I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. Now, I just want to pause there for a second and give you the first principle. When you're in a conflict, is this. Respond, don't react, all right? Respond, don't react. Solomon does something here that I think is worth noting, and it's really what he doesn't do. He doesn't blow up. He doesn't fire off a verbal missile. He doesn't force his way in. I believe he's frustrated because he's going to walk away here in a second, and right or wrong, He's going to do some things that are really important. So when we're in a conflict, right, here's what I think is worth noting, is he responds without reacting. A lot of times we want to make sure in the midst of the conflict, our spouse knows exactly how we feel, right? And so we do some things at times that we end up later regretting, right? Have you ever noticed, like when things aren't going well and there's a little bit of tension, that we tend to defend ourselves, and then criticize the other person. I'm going to defend my position and what I've done, and I'm going to criticize you. Now, you think about that for a second. You tell me one other relationship that you have where that works well for you. <laughs> like, if your boss does that, that doesn't end very well. If your friend does that, that relationship doesn't end very well. It really only causes distance that will harm the relationship. The other thing in terms of responding and reacting is we usually say things that we regret or that we should regret. So when I talk about reacting, I'm saying reacting is when an argument over a household chore ends up with a threat of, if you do that, I'll leave you. Reacting is when we use words like always and never, right? You always leave the seat up, you never wanna have sex. Reacting is when we dig into the past in the present moment, and we compound the problem when we do all these things. Responding, on the other hand, is this way, right? Responding is when I'm able to keep my head in the situation, when I stay in the present. Responding slowing down and trying to have some understanding. And maybe if we can, stop long enough to go, wow, do I really understand this other person? Do I understand what they're saying? Do I understand the situation? What's going on? I mean, can you imagine if he would have stopped and go, I wonder what's going on with her? What kind of day did she actually have? And sometimes when you respond in those healthy ways, you can actually step away from the situation long enough to realize it's late and I'm tired does not mean I hate you and this will never happen. (laughs) And so he's able to pause a little bit. And yes, he does walk away. Before he does that, he leaves something behind on the door handle. Have you guys ever done this one before? We're coming up on April Fool's, but you go for the door handle and you're like, what was that? It's the old Vaseline trick. All right, well, this is the positive version of that, all right? So he's leaving behind what would amount to a love note of sorts. So he puts some myrrh on the handle. It would be like maybe leaving behind his cologne or whatever he used to refresh him, so to speak. And then he walks away. 
And then verse 6 says this, So I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. So there's some kind of a change of heart that happens here, and she gets up, and she finally opens the door, but he's gone. He's walked away, and she doesn't seem to know where he went, right? Is he on the couch? Is he down in the spare room? Has he actually left the house? I don't know. Now, maybe he didn't want to deal with the situation, or maybe he just needed a little time and space to walk it off. But you notice the phrase right there, it says, my heart sank. It's actually the same way that Genesis chapter 38 describes the way people felt after a woman who was loved by the name of Rachel passed away. It says that there was absolute heartbreak happening for people. So it's her saying, look, I'm devastated. He's gone. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he's thinking. So Mrs. Solomon is actually going to do something here that I think is positive. She speaks to her friends. She says it this way, daughters of Jerusalem, or to my friends, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him I'm faint with love. So she's asking for their help, and they're going to respond by saying, how is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? Tell me, how is your beloved better than others that you so charge us? In other words, they're not, they're not offering her advice here. They're just asking her some questions. They're asking her to pause and to actually think about this for a second. Hey, what is so great about him? Huh? What's so great about him? Do you remember what it is? When you're in a conflict, some of you are going to need to write this down. Here's an important step, is to seek others' input, all right? Seek others' input. And I'm going to say this with some caution, all right? So hear this, uh, uh, you know, loud and clear. I've known some people, some of them very close to me, some of them that I'm related to, who weren't really trying to find people who were going to give healthy input. As much as they were looking to find some people who were going to validate their feelings or tell them what they wanted to hear. Listen, ladies, the person to go to might not be your mother. <laughs> Guys, the person to go to might not be your golfing buddy because you can always find friends who don't like your one. But what if you had a really good friend that you could go to who really wanted the best for you? Or you could seek out a couple together that you thought, man, these are people we're close to. Or it might be to actually go for professional help to get some counseling with an objective outside party who can look at the situation or jump in on a married group that we offer around here. Look, you're not looking for people to tell you, you know what, you'd be better off without him. He's not the one. But to have some people who will remind you why you chose him to begin with. One of the things that I do when people come to me just in a pastoral counseling situation and they're working through a conflict and things are starting to turn negative a little bit, I'll just say, look, here's an exercise for you. Just spend some time and write down a list, right? Make a positive list. What attracted you to them to begin with? What do you love about them? Why are they the one for you? And that might start to make a big difference for you to make a positive list, now, starting in chapter 5 and verse 10, she lists out the things that she likes about him. And I'm not going to read all of them. It's quite a long list. But she starts this way. He's radiant and he's ruddy. In other words, wow, he is a looker. He is a man, all right? And beginning with his head, she goes to his hair, his eyes, his arms, his legs, back to his mouth again. And then she concludes that section of verse 16 to say, this is my lover and my friend. Now, one of the things I notice about that particular list is that she says only positive things about him. 
She says nothing about his faults. She says nothing about her expectations. She says nothing about the current conflict. I don't think she's minimizing it. I think she's saying, yes, there's an issue, but it's not him and it's not me. Which brings me to another principle I want us to think about, which is this. In the midst of a conflict, attack problems, not people. So often when we have a conflict, especially over things that were small, that actually we allowed to escalate and grow into something big. So often when we're in that conflict, we tend to go after each other and actually forget about the issue. We make our spouse or our, our other one the issue and we attack them. And in the process, what happens is we don't actually find solutions for the problem. In all my 20 plus years of talking to people, I've never once had a couple or an individual come to me and say, you know what really turned it around for me was when they criticized me. That was the turning point for a positive day. That, that's never happened. So let me just caution us here to just be really careful with our words. That one verbal zinger can really cause a lot of damage. And maybe you've seen this before. I've seen couples go after each other in public, right? with yelling, with insults, with put-downs. I've seen people do this in front of their kids and in the grocery store kind of a setting. And I want to pull back for a second and go, man, this, like, this is the love of your life, right, that you promised to honor and cherish. You'd never talk to your boss that way. You'd never talk to an employee that way. Hopefully you won't talk to the waitress or the waiter that way today at lunch or your nosy neighbor. We would never talk to those people the way that some of us talk to are one. So let me just give you some encouragement here, because did you know that for every unkind word that you speak, you wipe out 20 acts of kindness? Think about that, all right? It's not 20 kind words. You actually wipe out acts of kindness. Some of you got a lot of kindness to be doing right now and a lot of things to make up for. And furthermore, 90% of our communication is actually how we say something, not just what we say. So be on the lookout for how you communicate because when we get into a conflict, what if we were to actually do something different, right? What if we were to actually fight, not with our spouse, but to join forces together and do battle against some things that actually threaten our relationship? I mean, what if we were to actually do whatever we could to shift the focus of our battle away from destroying each other and towards fighting against and resolving the issue? I've actually heard of couples who have a phrase that they use when things start to escalate and attacks are starting to be made on people and not problems. One of them will stop and they'll look at each other and they'll just simply say, hey, remember, same team, same team, we're on the same team here. Now, when you get to the beginning of chapter six and they find each other, here's how it reads in the opening verses and specifically verse two. She says, my beloved has gone down to his garden to the beds of spices to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies. I think she's saying, no, okay, he just went for a walk, right? By the way, ladies, sometimes we run away. That's what we do, but not always. It might just be that we need a little bit of time and space to think things over, right? Maybe he's just thinking. Guys, on the other hand, if you're someone who tends to walk away from a conflict, I think that's okay. You just have to make sure that your spouse or your one knows that at some point you're going to come back and we're going to resolve it. And she just says this, I'm my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. So she went after him, right? 
Somewhere along the way, they found each other. And now he has a chance to say anything that he wants to say. And look what he says in verse 4. You are as, as beautiful as Terza. Now, Terza is a royal city, by the way, and it means delightful. So this is a positive thing. He says, you're my darling. You're as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. And we're like, wait a second, I don't get it. But he's just speaking the language that he knows, all right? He's saying really great things here. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to read all of what he says, but he uses these words, right? Beautiful, lovely, you're majestic. Then he describes her features again. He goes, eyes, hair, teeth, temples. And then he lands on his pet name again, right? My dove. He's like, my dove, my perfect one. You're, you're unique. Now, we don't know who's right or wrong in this whole ordeal. Like, that doesn't seem all that necessary to know from the way he writes it. Sometimes conflict isn't about right and wrong or winning and losing. It just, it's there, right? What I want you to notice is it took some effort from both of them. So let me challenge you with this principle then, if you're in conflict, to make the first move, all right? To make the first move. At some point, somebody has got to break the cycle. Like one person's got to stand up and say, I, I will end the stalemate, I will, I will end the standoff. Because let's just say for a second that your spouse is 99% to blame. Like they did something wrong and they didn't apologize and you blew up about it. Like you yelled, you compared her to her mother, and then you pulled out a list of things from the past, all right? It's happened. But listen, she messed up, and it's her fault, and you responded poorly. And now it's the end of the day, you're lying in bed together, you're facing the walls, you've got your back to each other, it's eerily quiet, it's very cold. What now? What if you, right? What if you actually decided to roll over, tap her on the shoulder, and say, I'm sorry for how I handled that. I mean, what if in the midst of the conflict, you were the one who took responsibility for you? And by owning your part in the whole deal, even if it was the 1%, you were able to stop the escalation. See, some of us by this point have realized that the only person we can control in the relationship is ourselves. That it's not our job to actually change our spouse or our one. Only God could do that. Our job is to love them the way that God has actually loved us. And you know what God did? What did God do? He made the first move. Like he stepped our direction. Some of you need to make the first move before you leave here. And all it simply is going to take to get things rolling is to lean over to the person next to you, hopefully it's your one, and say, let's talk later. Let's talk later. Or it might be to come down here afterwards and speak to Rob or myself and just say, hey, we, just, we need to pray together. Would you pray for us? Or it might be to leave here today and say, I'm going to start practicing words like, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm an idiot, I love you. <laughs> now, if you were here last week, Solomon is going to say some of the very same things to his wife that he did leading up to the honeymoon moment, all right? Guys, mark this down. This one's going to work for you which leads me to believe there's a very happy ending for this conflict. Some of you are like, I don't know what, someone will explain it to you, all right? So here, let me just offer a couple of next steps real quickly. If you're dating and you're engaged, all right, you're on the single side of things, conflict happens, all right? Let me just encourage you to maybe, while you're still in that phase, find some married people that you respect, 
some people that you could go to and say, man, could you invest in us? Let us get an inside look into your life. Learn, let's learn from you. Or find some other areas where you can continue to learn and develop skills that you can use. And then let me just encourage you this way. You need to make sure that the person that you're looking for or the person that you're with is someone you actually want to fight with for the rest of your life in a healthy way, right? Because if you're constantly fighting without a whole lot of resolution right now on the front end, it's not a good sign. It's not a good sign at all. And I know sometimes we look at each other and go, okay, well, we should just get married because then it's all going to work out. See, that's part of the myth of the one, right? That if I just find the right one, I'm not going to have to work on these things. And because you're the one, everything will just work its way out, which leads us to some faulty thinking, which says, if I get into the middle of this relationship a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, and we're still having conflict and fighting, well, maybe you're not the one. And that's not true, because all relationships have conflict. So be prepared as much as you can to deal with it. Now, let me just wrap up by speaking to married people here today. Some of us today just need a little routine maintenance, right? You're going to hear all this. You're going to walk out of here. And you just need to keep working on your relationship skills. Keep loving each other. Keep serving each other. Some of you are putting on a clinic, by the way, on how to do this and to do it well. Thank you for doing that. And hopefully you would be available if someone was to come to you and say, hey, teach us how you're doing that. So keep going. Keep going. You're an excellent example. For others of us, all we really need is to take a step to actually seek out some help, right? To find a good friend, to find a couple, to join a group, or maybe even seek some outside counseling to get that perspective and to get some tools that can help us. But there's likely some of us who are not just in the midst of a conflict, like it's war, right? We're standing back to back. We're enemies. We are indifferent. We're strangers, and in a war, sooner or later, we're going to walk our opposite directions. So we're going to stop and turn, and someone's going to fire, and there will be casualties. <laughs> so let me just say to the married people one final plea, all right? Commit to stay together. Commit to stay together. And don't miss this before I explain it. I'm not saying to stick it out no matter what. I mean, some of you are in situations where your safety is at risk. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is that most people give up on a relationship way too soon. That commitment to actually stay together, even in very difficult circumstances, will provide security, it brings safety, and it gives you the time to grow together and actually work things out. A study by the University of Chicago, a sociologist by the name of Linda Waite, actually found that two-thirds of unhappily married spouses who stayed married considered their marriage to be happy five years later. And the research team found the most unhappy marriages reported the most dramatic turnaround, that eight out of 10 who remained committed to their marriage were happy five years later. Now, the question I have is, well, how's that possible? Here's what they said. In their pain, couples have an opportunity to do something that most happy, well-adjusted couples will not have. And that's the opportunity to make a huge, huge gain because huge growth often comes from pain. You know what they're saying? They're saying, look, if you just simply commit to stay together, that time itself gives you a chance to work things out, to grow together, to figure things out, and to get needed help. I can tell you this has been true in my life. 
and in my marriage. That safety of knowing that we had the commitment to stay together, that we will work things out. It gave us the time, it gave us the space, it gave us the maturity to be much better at handling conflict today. Now listen, I don't know your story. I don't know what you walked in here with and what the conflict is that you're going through. I just want to encourage you to find some practical steps here today and begin implementing them. And let me ask you if you're married to start here. Commit to stay together because that will give you the opportunity to put the other principles into practice. Let me pray for us today. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for um, worship. Thank you for time just to open your scriptures. Thank you for time just to uh, think about what it takes to handle conflict in a healthy way God, I just pray for those in our room today, um, those who are um, just doing well, doing great. God, thank you for their example and the way that they point people to you through their relationship. But God, I pray for those who maybe are struggling and maybe for those who are, are thinking that it might not be worth it. God, I just pray that you uh, reach down today, touch our hearts, touch our minds. God, bring about the change that's needed for me today so I can be the best version of me God, help me be the one who can bring the most health to my relationship. God, we will thank you for the great work that you do in our lives, and we pray these things through Jesus. Amen.